Welcome to Get Up in the Cool, old-time music with Cameron DeWitt and friends. This week's friend is Robin Fisher. We recorded this in my home on the Friday of the Portland Old-Time Music Gathering. Get Up in the Cool is listener-supported. I get the occasional sponsor, but it really is the listeners that keep the show going every week. If you like Get Up in the Cool and want me to be able to keep making it, please sign up to fund the show on Patreon. Just go to getupinthecool.com and click Patreon. And check out the exclusive rewards for supporting the show. Shout out to Rachel Krauss and Charlie Cottingham for signing up on Patreon last week. I really appreciate the help. The closer I get to making an honest living doing this, the more likely I'll keep making it. Thank you so much. Do you love playing old-time music with friends? Do you enjoy playing tunes in the beauty of nature? Are you up for an adventure? Then come to the fourth annual Old Time Weekend in the Alps, happening this fall in Switzerland. Join us from September 20th to the 22nd, 2019, for a gathering of old-time musicians from around Europe. We have the pleasure of welcoming Jane Rothfield as our tutor this year. You're sure to make some international friends as you learn new tunes and techniques in the majestic setting of the Swiss Alps. For more information and to register, check out oldtimemusic.ch. I want to thank Elderly Instruments in Lansing, Michigan for sharing Get Up in the Cool online with their customers and dramatically increasing the reach of the show. Next time you need an instrument upgrade or new music gear, visit their online store at elderly.com. If you want to advertise with Get Up in the Cool, you can buy an ad spot by going to getupinthecool.com and clicking store. Make sure to stick around after the interview, and I'll tell you how to hear more from this week's guest. But first, here's my interview and jam with Robin Fisher. Enjoy!
Welcome to Get Up in the Cool, Robin Fisher. Thanks for having me, so happy to be here. Yeah. You're in town for the Portland Old Time Gathering? Yeah, I just flew in a couple hours ago. Yeah, thanks for... <laughs> <laughs> I'm about to leave, so you're willing to do something um, in intentional and recorded right after like recovering from a plane flight, so that's very generous of you. <laughs> Thank you, that's very brave super, of you. Super strenuous hour and 20 minute plane. Yeah, well, <laughs> I, I guess that's right. How long have you been coming to the Portland Old Time Gathering? I think this is the fourth year I've made it. Um, yeah, no. All, all in a row? All in a row, yeah. Like, yeah. after one, I was just like, oh yeah, this is what happens this weekend. Great. For me. Yeah. <laughs> How long have you been playing old-time music? Well, I've been playing fiddle for about yeah. 11 years, and kind of on and off old-time music for the whole time, but, like, I'd say as, like, an old-time fiddle player, probably, like, six years yeah. or so. Yeah. Yeah, did you, um... What was the process of <laughs> deciding that that's how you identify it, as an all-time <laughs> fiddler as opposed to the other traditions that you play? Yeah, I um, after I started playing fiddle because we found a fiddle in an attic and someone in the family was going to take fiddle lessons. Um, this is a good origin story. Yeah, <laughs> I feel like probably a lot of people have this origin story. Um, yeah, I actually started fiddle lessons on my 18th birthday. Oh wow! And um, it was definitely the right the right choice is that your first instrument um it's the first instrument that i would practice okay so i took lessons for a bunch of different stuff growing up but um like what like saxophone for okay. a long time and like drum set for a long time uh -huh. i think i tried to learn guitar like 11 times or something yeah. and just like <laughs> nothing stuck i really wanted to be a musician and i really wanted to play music but why I don't know. Not like, why would like, you want to do that? Yeah. <laughs> Probably because I thought it was cool, honestly. Um, what I, did you want to play? I, I don't think I had like a specific thing in mind for the whole time. Like I just wanted to play music. Yeah. You know, like I was definitely like went through a punk phase and wanted to play in a punk band uh -huh. and lots of other phases. Um, and then when the fiddle rolled around, it was like after the first lesson, it was just like, oh, this is it. This is what I've been looking for. Like I found my instrument. Yeah. Um, and Who, whose amazing. fiddle was it in the attic? We don't know. It was after my grandpa died, but he didn't play fiddle. And so it was History some like fiddle. distant family. There was cool. actually two fiddles. What? So yeah. Is that what you're playing? No, no. Okay. This is much nicer than either of those fiddles. <laughs> so those weren't like amazing antique. There like... was, it wasn't a Strad. Okay, great. <laughs> Um, yeah, just um, some like old German violins. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Um, so when, yeah, the old time, when did old time oh, get yeah. into the picture? Um, so I started taking fiddle lessons, like fiddle, generic, whatever. Sure. And some of that was old time and some of it was bluegrass and in the Bay Area, which is where I'm from, we have just a really vibrant, super inviting, beginner friendly bluegrass scene. So it was really easy to just like fall into that. And I remember sneaking into bars to go to bluegrass jams when I was like 19, yeah. um, which is a weird sentence. <laughs> <laughs> and um, so I started playing a lot of bluegrass music. And then um, after a little while, I, got, I just got really tired of playing in like B and B flat yeah. and, and like waiting for singers <laughs> to get done with their thing for me to have some time. Um, and at the same time, I started going to lots of square dances and it just, and getting into alternate tunings and it 
it was just a really natural transition to start playing old time music. Mm. Um, and, you know, got more involved in the old time scene. And um, I still like bluegrass music, but I don't really play it a lot. Yeah. I think it's notable that you had a like really positive, like inviting open experience playing bluegrass because I feel like a lot of people they like leave bluegrass for all time because of this sort of like I don't think I can hang like and not just hang musically but like hang like with the intensity mm-hmm. uh, that's really cool that the um, yeah that the community was uh, inviting for an newly adult beginner to to play yeah I mean I think like you know like I'm a young woman and I'm sure like it's easier for me than some people to like get accepted into communities or whatever just because I'm like friendly and like really willing to put myself out there and you know I don't know if we should say this because I'm white like there's lots of things that are like make it easier for me to be part of like the bluegrass scene right I guess so there's like a lot of non-threatening yeah. <laughs> aspects, of, you know. There you go. I'm yeah. very non-threatening. Yeah, <laughs> I feel so comfortable. Yeah. I could never like be a bouncer. It yeah. just wouldn't work. Yeah. So was there a person who like introduced you to specifically old-time fiddling um, in the bluegrass community who also played, or like where did you where did you find out about it? Yeah. So. I mean, I lucked into having an amazing fiddle teacher right off the bat who was really willing to go in whatever direction I wanted to yeah. go in. Um, and right off the bat, he was showing me bluegrass stuff and old time stuff and the other things too. Um, and so my first introduction to old time music was definitely through my teacher. Um, but I didn't really like fall into the old time scene until I started hanging out with Allegra Thompson. I don't know if oh, you yeah. guys know each other. Yeah, I just met her last year when I met you at the old time gathering. Yeah, yeah we like just through happenstance ended up living um, next to each other in two different housing situations, one uh-huh. after another. <laughs> um, and so we just started hanging out a lot and she dragged me to my first square dance, kicking and screaming. And Why? Why kicking oh, and screaming? I just thought it was going to be so stupid. <laughs> I like... Did you... Were you made to... Uh, were you forced to do square dancing in school like I was? I wasn't. I lucked out. I'm like... The, I'm one of the only people who didn't have that experience. Um, <laughs> and I went to private school so we had to go through like salsa dancing lessons. Okay. So. <laughs> Instead of square dancing. Man, as... Like in, in high school and junior high? or No, like, that was like junior high. I can I cannot imagine doing salsa dancing in junior high. <laughs> yeah, I just kind of think we shouldn't make people in junior high dance with each other. Yeah, but. just like, don't touch anyone. Don't talk to anyone. Yeah. Just stay home. Yeah, I <laughs> definitely cocoon. don't do salsa dancing now, so. Dear Lord. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, because that's when I did square dancing. It was, yeah, in junior high. Yeah. So you thought it was going to be really dumb. Why? I mean, it doesn't sound like a really cool thing to do unless you, like, have someone really sell you on it. Yeah. You know, and, like, it's so cool and so fun once you go. But I think when you say, like, square dancing to someone who doesn't 
know what we mean when we're talking about it. Like you think of like the petticoats and the recorded music and like, or at least that's what I think of. Yeah. Um, which is what we would call like modern Western square dancing, um, which isn't really modern anymore. <laughs> uh, but um, that's not something that I would have ever like gone to do. And then once you go and you're like, oh, there's like all this amazing, like fast, like old time music and fiddles and banjos and everyone's just having a party on the dance floor and no one's like worried about steps. Um, and if I mess up, it might not really be my fault. It might be the caller's fault. Yeah. That was all very exciting. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I think we're going to talk about square dancing a lot. Yeah. Let's play another tune and then let's, let's get into that. Great. So that, what was that first tune you played? Uh, that was Porter's Reel. Um, which I got from Spencer and Rance. Oh, great. Yeah. Thanks, Trisha. Thanks, Howard. Yeah.
Sugar Hill. <laughs> hmm. You are a square dance caller. Yes. I met you at the Portland Old Time Gathering last year at the beginning dance, like the Wednesday night dance, and you were calling there. Um, how long have you been a square dance caller? I think I've been calling for a little over five years. Yeah. Yeah. How does one start calling calling square dances? Uh, you got to go to dances. Okay. That's the most important thing. Right. Um, if you can go to dances. If you live in a place where there aren't dances, you know, then that might be then, then that's probably good because then you could start calling them. You have to figure out how, but yeah. <laughs> you, you're probably needed. <laughs> so I've been going to dances for a couple years before I knew I wanted to call. Um, and by the time I like thought calling might be a cool thing to do, I had been going to my like community dance for so long that I knew so many of like the main callers' dances. They were yeah. already in my head, and I just had to kind of remember what to say yeah. um, to do it. So it was really easy to start calling. I really like public speaking, so it's there wasn't any like stage fright <laughs> issues. It was easy just to get the mic and like. Did you do like speech and debate in school or something or like? No, I don't uh, know. Yeah, it's just really like being on stage and yeah. having a microphone and stuff. So while you're dancing, you would just like listen to the specific words that the caller is saying and you would actually remember them. Cause I can't, I couldn't tell you like a single <laughs> like <laughs> phrase, like it's kind of all in the moment. Uh huh. So yeah. you actually learn through osmosis. Yeah, I guess that was, that was my experience at least. Like, awesome. Um, I was just like, oh yeah, I guess I can call the Texas star. Like, you know, it was, it was pretty easy. It was harder to learn how to teach people what to do. Yeah. That's like the only part that I get stressed out about if I'm learning a new dance is like, how do I like use the right words to show people how to do this like weird thing with their bodies that they're not used to doing. Yeah. How do you do that? <laughs> Man, like making your friends come to a square dance party and practicing, teaching okay. them how to do it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, or watching like other callers teach and like I'll make notes about like how someone taught something if I really liked it or thought it was really effective. Yeah, are there any callers who you specifically looked up to or currently look up to like that showed you the ropes or just you try to follow their example? Yeah, for sure. Um, so Jordan Rule and Evie Layden, who are both I know from Evie. Oakland. Yeah. 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 <laughs> um, they've both kind of like showed me the most and helped me the most as a like beginning caller. Yeah. Um, and then like, man, Phil Jamison, mm -hmm. like total, uh, total square dance fave and Susan Michaels too, from LA who now lives in Seattle. Um, especially her teaching language is just like, I feel like her teaching language. Yeah. Like, like what I was talking about, like instructing everyone yeah. what to do before I feel like she is just the master at concise, perfect, um, ways of saying all those moves yeah. so people really understand what to do. There's like, um, there's an element of square dancing that, that see, I get sometimes some like, uh, school teacher vibes from callers sometimes and just sort of laying it down. Like, have you ever had to, uh, be stern? <laughs> oh yeah, for sure. I mean, that's like, it's really fun when you don't have to do that. Right. You know, that's, that's a great gig. Um, and it can be a little hard to do that balancing act because you don't want 
people to not have a good time. Like, yeah. they're there to have a good time. Like, people want to talk. Um, but they should also, like, listen to what the caller says. Yeah, totally. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, no, it's that's, that's hard to balance, for sure. There is this uh, caller on Wednesday. This is the second caller of the night. And he was, like, he was pretty patronizing. <laughs> And he was like, and he was telling everyone to shut up and he's telling the band to shut up, but he was doing it in a way that like, it seemed like he was, it was like kind of working and like, like it was funny. Like he was trying to make a joke out of it. And then people were kind of like buying into it, but they, he was like being like a little bit mean. It was like a negging relationship. (laughs) I think if you can get away with like the cranky old man thing, like it can kind of work. Um, like. My good friend, I always say he's like my favorite person to have yell at me. Because <laughs> he's definitely not afraid to like swear at the dancers or That's whatever. And, and like, it's super, like he's a great caller. It like, you know, it works for him. And I don't think that's something that I would really want to do. But right. like, the non threatening thing we were talking yeah. about earlier. <laughs> yeah. I don't, yeah, I don't know. Like, shut that up. <laughs> trying to get trying to do my job yeah (laughs) so if someone were to want to get into uh square dance calling are there any like beginner mistakes or like like things that you could just like if you if you knew early on you would have like incorporated that into your calling a lot a lot sooner that is such a good question great um (laughs) i'm trying yeah um (laughs) I feel like it's, I don't know, like pin, pinpointing mistakes. Um, I'd say don't call anything too complicated for the crowd. Okay. I think that's like the number one like cringe moment, like seeing callers do. And like, and like if you find yourself in it, it's really hard to get out of that hole too. Um, and I've seen people just like maybe be a little inebriated and try something that's like just so beyond where the dancers are able to call because yeah. like they did it and they thought it was really cool and all the square dance nerds like it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that's the number one thing is like, like don't call anything that the dancers aren't going to be able to do um, unless like you know it really well and you know you can teach it really well. Um, yeah. And just start simple, like do, I always tell new callers, like what you should do is like, you should learn how to call your favorite dance. Yeah. Like if you like the Texas star, learn how to call the Texas star or push posh of ma. I think almost everyone. Push posh of ma. <laughs> yeah. I don't, which one is that? Um, I don't know how easy that is to describe in an audio medium. Yeah. How are but, we going to describe this on podcast? Yeah. <laughs> um, so maybe we should set up our square first. Okay. So uh, there's four couples. Yeah. Um, and they're making a square, so each couple has their back to a wall, if you're in a square room. And couple number one goes down the middle, and they cut couple three in half. And oh, yeah. one goes to the left, one goes to the right. They go around one person, and then they go behind the next person. Okay. And they push, paw, shove, ma. They push that person they're standing behind into the center. Uh-huh. Swing that gal from Arkansas. Then those new people who got pushed meet in the center and swing each other and they fill the extra spot in the square. It gotcha. kind of keeps going. That seems familiar, I'm sure. Is it's, that like yeah. a chestnut dance? Like, oh, it's totally a chestnut okay. dance. What are the like? What are the, the standards, the Arkansas Travelers of of square dances? Well, there's a dance called the Arkansas Traveler. Okay, um, I did not know. I don't know if I would say it's like as much of a chestnut as the tune, okay. but it's there. Yeah. Um, push, posh, shove, ma. 
Uh, Cutaway 6, which is like a simpler Pish Posh of Ma. The Texas Star. I think I did a Cutaway 6 one time at Rockbridge, and the caller started saying, like, Cutaway, like, 5, or cut, like, they were cutting away all sorts of weird, yeah. <laughs> weird combinations, and it was really crazy, but it was really fun. <laughs> yeah, I love that, like, controlled chaos part of Square Dance. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Do you ever, um, do you ever do, do you ever do calling within a square? Isn't that like a, a thing that some people do? Yeah. Um, you like, if, if you're going to learn how to square dance call, you just like have to be okay doing that. Cause sometimes like there's only seven people right? and you got to like get in there. Right. Um, yeah. Uh, and one of the, one of the funnest times I've ever had calling is at this big, uh, bluegrass festival in grass Valley in June. And me and Mike Linsky and Evie were all there. And we were all calling um, square dances in the dirt with like a huge band playing. And we were all calling different dances in the squares we were dancing in. Yeah, cool. At the same time, and it was the, it was the most fun I've ever had. It was so great. And people walking by were couldn't figure out what was going on because uh. each square was doing something <laughs> totally different. And it was such a good party. One other resource that I really recommend new callers taking advantage of is going to Dare to be Square or Dare to be Square West, which is a whole festival for learning how to call square dances oh, great. or like learning new square dances. And you can even go and just like learn how to play tunes for square dances or just great. go and dance a whole lot. Uh, so that's great. Yeah. How many people who go to Dare to be Square are like there to study calling or to study dancing? Like Ooh. Um, or is it just like a party? <laughs> like, well, I didn't know that it was yeah. like a fiddle camp for dancing. Like, Yeah, I think a lot of people go to like um, get new calls or get better. There's a calling yeah. 101 track yeah. that people can take if cool. they're just dancers and want to learn how to call. Um, but then a lot of experienced callers go and just like have a good time, like learning new dances to bring back to their community or um, just like dancing kind of like nerdy stuff that we don't get to dance that often oh so like uh so it's like the i didn't, hadn't even thought of that like the nerdy dances because i probably haven't gotten to do any because <laughs> it's like I'm the not, level five <laughs> right right so yeah the like less hospitable the jam busters yeah yeah like all those dances that like as a caller you like really want to call because they're really cool and fun right. and blew your minds but like someone who's like there for the first time ever it'll just like ruin their night oh shoot cool um, yeah so like the the like really nerdy advanced like i don't want to say hard but more difficult yeah yeah awesome yeah. dare to be square or dare to be square west yeah. now is that a moving uh a festival then yeah it uh, moves around every year um so Dairy Square West is what I've mostly gone to, and that's been in Portland a couple times, and Oakland, and LA, and Seattle. Um, I think that's it. And then okay. the other Dairy Square is on the East Coast, and it's happened just a bunch of places. Great. Yeah. I had one more question about, at least one more question about square dancing, but maybe we should play another tune first. Um, or yeah, we should we should go to A mm -hmm. real quick. Yeah. Blue Shot Lincoln? Yeah, let's do it.
Hmm. I wanted to ask, how does one find their... Um, I want to ask all about the, the, the physical act of calling, uh, and how does one find their calling voice, and like to what extent is it tonal, and how do you figure that stuff out? out. I've never talked to anyone about that before. Yeah. Um, I don't know if I've ever talked to people about that either, but great. I'd like to Let's think about it. Out. Yeah, yeah. Great. Um, not to make it like all about me or whatever, but I want to say like one, that's what um, we're here to do. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> one thing, um, really about like my personal experience with it. And I think one reason I love calling so much is because I'm a pretty bad singer. Um, pitch is like not my strong suit. Okay. Um, and Calling isn't, at least the way I call, it's not pitch-based. Okay. It's not, like, melody-based at all. Um, it's all rhythm-based. Yeah. Um, and there's, like, tone to it, but I don't, I'm not, like, singing my call. Yeah. Um, and I know that's a big thing, a big difference in a bunch of different callers. Like, some people really do sing the calls. It's a whole tradition. Um, and some callers have a very, like, sing-songy melody naturally to what they do. So they'll specifically like move around to different notes. Yeah. Um, do, you, do you, do you, do you specifically choose a note to hang on? No, I don't think about it at all. Okay. Um, I call with, I think it sounds pretty much like my speaking voice. Yeah. Um, maybe like a little bit more like rhythmically accented. Yeah. But, um, I don't really think about the notes that I'm calling with. I think that would be a little hard for me. Uh -huh. um, I did have a super interesting conversation with Larry Edelman, though. I don't know if you know him. No, I don't. He's um, a really amazing dance caller and historian and filmmaker. He just made the Highwood String Band. Oh, film. great. I still haven't seen it, but. Yeah, um, it's awesome. Everyone should go watch it. Um, and he gave me a great piece of insight when we were um, hanging out at the Berkeley Old Time Music Convention this year. So I mentioned that I have a really hard time calling to minor and modal tunes. It just oh. is a it's a hard fit for me. And Larry went, "Oh yeah, because your melody goes to the five. There you go. <laughs> I was just like, "Whoa!" <laughs> um, it was amazing. I felt like I was having my like square dance color like astrology chart done or something. I was like, oh "Tell God. me more about myself that I don't know." <laughs> Interesting. It was kind so of is amazing. It, is it uh, so that would be difficult because depending on the the players, they wouldn't necessarily play a five chord in a modal tune. Is I, that why? I or? think what it is, is that where the modal tune goes kind of fights where my voice naturally wants to go. Yeah. Um, and I just feel like it's kind of hard for me to call when something is going to like that minor third note or something like that, because I feel like maybe I have to like get kind of spooky um, or like do something <laughs> kind of like silly with my voice that isn't that through. You just end up monster mashing it, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, that's okay, but as long as it's intentional, I guess. Sure, sure. <laughs> yeah. Oh, interesting. When, so did, did, did you figure out when you got that Square Dance Astrology reading, yeah. <laughs> like did, did you, did, were you able then to like change what you did and are you more able to do it now or do you just know have peace about why it's hard for you? Oh, I just have peace. <laughs> okay, yeah. Okay. You're just um, like, that's why. <laughs> yeah. And sometimes like if I know the band that I'm working with, I'll be like, if you could 
unless you like really need to play yeah. a minor or modally tune, it would be better if you didn't. Yeah. Um, but I also like to let bands really do what they want to do because it's so much funner when they're like rocking out on their best tunes. Sure, so, sure. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. It hasn't changed anything about the way that I call though. Right. Yeah. Okay. So what about the, um, <laughs> the endurance of it? Uh, I would imagine that it would be difficult to do square dance calling um, and like sustainably. Have you ever developed nodes or anything? <laughs> like, how does one do it safely? Um, yeah, I don't know if I know yet. Um, not doing it when you're sick is really important yeah. to me. Um, I lost my voice for six weeks once after a private gig that, like, I don't know, what do you do when you, like, have a private calling gig? Yeah, and, shoot. Like, six months later, you get sick on the day. Yeah. Um, so... That sucked. Um, so you did the gig anyway, and I then the you gig, just hurt yourself. And I just, I and like, then you couldn't call again. Lost my voice. Man. Yeah. Um, so I always get kind of stressed out about getting sick yeah. <laughs> if I have a calling gig. Um, yeah, I don't know. Don't, oh, like, don't yell. <laughs> Use a microphone. Yeah. Um, that's like the big one. Um, and you can hear it when callers' voices are kind of going, and they've kind of like worked their voices too much and like something happens to the tone um and it just like kind of makes you worried about bad things happening to their voice long term um so just like use the microphone and just talk normally you know yeah, yeah. i think another beginning calling thing is people get really excited and like if you call it a house party you do have to shout right and like shouting kind of means you're excited. And so I know that I was a lot more shouty when I started calling than I am now. Yeah, I would imagine that it would be hard to be charismatic and like have an infectious energy, which is also part of your job, I would imagine. Uh, <laughs> like as yeah. a caller, I, I would imagine it would be hard to do that at, um, at a quiet volume. Like your own personal instrument being quiet even though if even if you're amplified if you're not like blasting it out how how do you give that energy yeah like mindfully i guess yeah. um i don't know i get really excited about it. i feel like a um like a golden retriever or something i get yeah, really okay. excited about stuff <laughs> um so that part isn't that hard but i do have to like be mindful about not like raising my voice too much and wearing it out. So for you, it's more just like the excitement's already there. The enthusiasm's already there. You just have to make sure you don't hurt yourself as opposed to, yeah. you don't have to like psych yourself up or like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Or, um, yeah let's play this. Let's play this black eyed Susie and yeah. um, then talk about um, square dancing in the Bay area. Is it okay just to go into it? No potatoes. Yeah. Okay.
What is the square dancing culture like in the Bay Area? Are there multiple dances? Uh, where, where are they at? Where do people go if they're in that area or coming through if they want to dance? Yeah. yeah. So there's um, a square dance in the Bay Area almost every week of the month. Great. Yeah. So if you're in Oakland, the first or third Friday of the month, uh, we have dances at the Nebel Proctor Marxist Library, which kind of tells you everything you need to know about the dance. Great. Uh, <laughs> um, so I'm sure they're just going to be like, men on the left, women on the right. right. Yeah, yeah. You can only circle left. Yeah. yeah. You know? yeah. <laughs> okay, great, great. <laughs> yeah. um, it's super casual okay, and great. fun. That has a great wood floor. Um, and then the fourth Friday of the month, um, there is a square dance at Alley Cat Books in San Francisco. Is this a square dance at a bookstore? Yes. Okay, great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Interesting. Um, a radical bookstore, too. So we have a theme going for our Bay Area dances and radical literature. Yeah, awesome. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, no, they're really fun. Um, usually they are, like, gendered, but, like, in the most casual sense possible. Sure. Um, always live music and calling and... Yeah, I don't know. I love the square dance community. It's really inviting and yeah. it's a party too. It's not a dance class. It's a party. Great. Yeah. <laughs> and you like regularly like, uh, don't you like raffle pies and stuff for it? I do. <laughs> That's like your biggest <laughs> online presence at the moment. It's just... It, I mean, like, I do know how to get the, like, the Facebook marketing okay. Yeah, <laughs> which is, awesome. Like, the pie raffle. <laughs> That's the secret purpose of the pie raffle. Yeah. Yeah. Very good. Um, so yeah, how do people, are there pages like on Facebook or their websites where people can go to make sure they stay up to date? And yeah. Um, so for the Oakland dances, you want the North Oakland square dance Facebook page. And for the San Francisco square dance, I believe it's titled the feral fourth Friday square dance. Oh my dance. goodness. <laughs> <laughs> it's like really setting expectations. Yeah. <laughs> Dear Lord, yeah. good. Hmm. Thanks so much for being on the show. I'm so flattered. It's really exciting good. to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah. yeah. Um, one of these days, maybe we should talk about this afterwards, but I really want to have a like a full um, video episode of Get Up in the Cool that's all... It's, it's just the same thing, but it's just square dances. And it's like, so I don't know, we'll talk about that. Maybe we can make that happen at some point. Yeah, well, I'd, I'd yeah. love to be here as a caller or a dancer or a musician. That cool. sounds great. Oh, yeah. And uh, do you, um, so you, you're just saying you play private gigs and stuff. Do you like uh, accept, um, how do people get a hold of you? Uh, you can they go want to, to hire you. You can either just search for Robin Fisher Fiddle on the Google and it'll take you Good. right to my website or go to Robin R fisher.com and fisher is f-i-s-c-h-e-r great cool yeah thanks robin yeah thanks for having me yeah should we go to g yeah let's go to g cool. <laughs> oh my god okay okay <clears throat> what are we gonna play for this last tune so i thought that because we've been talking a lot about square dancing yeah we should end with a waltz because that's the way that square dances Aww. Yeah. <laughs> great okay <laughs> Okay, here we go. Mm-hmm. 
Robin is calling two upcoming dances at the North Oakland Square Dance, held at the Nibel Proctor Marxist Library in Oakland. The first one is Friday, March 15th, with the Hook in Line String Band, and she's co-calling the second dance with Mike Lewinsky on Friday, April 19th, with Spencer and Reigns. If you want to hire her to call your dance, go to RobinRFisher.com and make sure to check the episode title for correct spelling. She also performs with the Bearcats String Band and Duo. You can visit their website at BearcatsStringBand.com and like and follow them on Facebook. Make sure to check the show notes for links to everything I just mentioned and links to the Facebook pages of the Bay Area Square Dances, Dare to be Square, and Dare to be Square West. If you like Get Up in the Cool and want to make sure I keep making it, support the show on Patreon and get some exclusive rewards. Just go to getupinthecool.com and click Patreon. Thanks again to Old Time Weekend in the Alps and Elderly Instruments for all your support. You can register for Old Time Weekend in the Alps at oldtimemusic.ch and visit Elderly Instruments online store at elderly.com. For any potential sponsors out there, I'll read ad copy for your music festival, camp, or whatever it is that you're selling. You can buy an ad spot by going to getupinthecool.com and clicking store. You'll get a pretty dramatic discount for buying three or more. I still have some room for other old-time schools and festivals in my schedule if anyone wants to hire me. You can reach me at getupinthecool at gmail.com. I can also teach banjo workshops and perform solo or band sets while I'm there. If you want to hang out with me twice a week, I have another podcast called Think Outside the Box Set. You can find that wherever you get your podcasts or boxset.website. That's all for now, friends. Thanks for listening. Come back same time next week to Get Up in the Cool. <laughs>